regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Welcome back to The Online Course Show. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins, and you're tuning in to episode 204. I'm thrilled to have you here. Now, let's start with a quick throwback into this podcast. I'm about to reveal the top three most listened to episodes from our archives. At number three, we have episode 194, which was titled, If I Were Starting an Online Course Business in 2023, Here's Exactly What I Would Do. I came up with that title all by myself. Clearly, you liked it. It's a solo episode where I shared the roadmap I'd take if I was starting fresh today with a brand new online course business. So check that one out for sure. Coming in at number two, is episode 183 featuring the brilliant Graham Cochran, where we dove into his new book, How to Get Paid for What You Know. Graham has been a mentor to me, and I am a huge admirer of his work. And now, can I get a drum roll, please? The number one spot goes to episode 181 with Spencer Russell from toddlersread.com. That was Spencer's first appearance on the podcast. Spencer's courses on teaching toddlers to read and his inspiring journey resonated with many of you. I hear about that all the time, and because of that, Spencer has been on the podcast now a second time. And I've stayed connected with Spencer, and we often exchange ideas. He once worked with an Instagram coach who catapulted his following from around 10,000 followers to like mid six figures in followers now. And we had her, his Instagram coach, on back in episode 189. And all of that leads me to reveal to you who today's guest is, uh, which is Kyler Nixon from kylercreative.com. Kyler's marketing agency helps course creators boost their sales, and he's collaborated with Spencer and specializes in supporting those who focus on parenting and children, like the widely popular online course, A Big Little Feeling. Some of you may be familiar with that one. So Kyler worked with the, the folks at uh, that online course. And while Kyler has his own courses, he has primarily uh, found success in empowering others through his agency. And he's here to share with us today uh, his insights on what's really working for course creators today. But before we dive in, a quick shout out to Kajabi. Kajabi is an all-in-one platform that takes the tech headache out of running an online course business. From courses to emails, landing pages, and more, Kajabi has it all. Sign up at everyclickkajabi.com to get a 30-day free trial. That's double the usual and access to my exclusive course, Every Click Kajabi, where I take you step-by-step through setting up your course business. Again, that's everyclickkajabi.com. Now, let's jump into my conversation with Kyler Nixon. Hey, Kyler, welcome to the Online Course Show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about our conversation today. I'm going to start with, with a big question. I don't think okay. it's going to be tough for you, but we'll, let's start like this. W- what is marketing? How do you define marketing? Oh my gosh, heavy hitter question right out of the <laughs> gate. Um, to, to us as a marketing agency, it's really just how you can get people to buy what you're selling. 
And so I would differentiate that from advertising, which is where you are using typically like paid mediums to get people into um, some of those things that differentiate it from branding, where you're sort of saying, here's who I am. And instead, marketing is saying, hey, here's this thing that I have, and I'm going to package it up in a way that makes sense in a way that um, you know entices you to buy it. Some people uh, get confused on the difference between marketing and sales. Do you mm-hmm. put like sales under under the category of marketing? I think they definitely work hand in hand. I think it depends on the business, right? If you're a B2B business and you have um, you know, a sales team or you're selling a really high ticket item, uh, sales and marketing go hand in hand. Typically, marketing will queue up leads for sales and then sales closes those leads. Uh, if you don't have, you know, salespeople in your business and you're, you know, an online course or a solopreneur, typically marketing and sales can kind of happen at the same time, right? Marketing is what gets that person to click that buy now or access now uh, button. But yeah, I think they they have to work in tandem and I think they're both uh, dependent on one another. Okay. So, so explain for the audience, like who, who it is that you help, like, what do you do and, and who do you help? Yeah, we primarily work with uh, course creators and memberships. Um, Ideally, we're working with brands that have crossed that six-figure mark. So they've earned roughly $100,000 or more on their course. And we're helping them scale up to to a million. Um, Most of our clients typically have some solid source of traffic. So maybe they have a decent amount of Instagram followers. They've got some YouTube followers. They have an email list. We don't do any paid advertising at all. And so we really try to rely on organic uh, organic traffic as much as we possibly can. And so the ideal fit for us is a, is a client who uh, has a proven concept. They've got a little bit of a source of traffic and we're helping them scale it up into um, something even bigger. So when I go to your website, kylercreative.com, uh, I love the, the headline and the, the sub headline. It says, do your thing, we'll help you scale it. And then it says no nonsense marketing for the next generation of courses and memberships. Uh, one reason I really love the um, the headline and it goes along with exactly how you answered that is one of the biggest struggles course creators have is you know they get in they they have their idea they have this thing that they're good at this knowledge they know they can help people with and so they jump right in with creating the course because that makes mm-hmm. intuitively that makes the most sense. They create yeah. the course, they launch it, but they haven't really done much else. And most people, it kind of ends there and and yeah. kind of fizzle, fizzles out and dies. So to me, when I when I see do your thing, like that's kind of the course piece, right? That's the thing that as the mm-hmm. course creator, we know the most about. Most course creators aren't experts in the marketing and the sales and so on. Yeah. Um, and so is that is that kind of why you have the headline written the way you do? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, so many of the the brands that we work with, um, obviously, you and I know Spencer Russell from Toddlers Can Read. Like, Spencer is an expert at teaching and educating kids and parents, right? And so that's his thing. And so we sort of stay out of his lane, right? Like, I'm not going to Spencer and saying, hey, man, I think you should teach people this way. Um, and most of our clients fit that mold where they're experts at some particular topic. And we really just want to come alongside of them and help them to, um, again, kind of package that up in a way that, um, that sells and that that makes the money. So when we say do your thing, like yeah, we want to stay out of your way when you're uh, doing the things that you're good at. So like if we work together, you wouldn't you wouldn't help me with how to teach piano. Exactly. You would help you would help get my my course in, into the um into the eyes of the right people and and with exactly. messaging to to help get them to actually convert and click buy now and so on. Totally. Yeah. And we want to create two things. We want to create things that are automated 
and we want to create things that are sustainable. And so as a creator, especially as a solopreneur, we work with a lot of parents uh, who don't have a ton of time, you know, who have toddlers running around, who've got babies, you know, screaming and crying. And so we want to create things that are automated, things that run in the background, that get you sales, that get you leads, that get you traffic, even while you sleep. And we want to do things that are sustainable, things that are going to not depend on you spending hours and hours and hours and hours investing in them. Uh, but that when you create something, again, that's automated and sustainable, uh, it's going to make you money, you know, even even while you sleep. So that's how we would come alongside uh, Piano in 21 Days. Like, hey, you're an expert at this. We're going to create something that's automated and sustainable behind it. So it sounds great. I mean, it sounds really great, right? Like mailbox <laughs> money. Yeah, you, you yeah, show yeah. up, you do your thing, you teach people yeah. things, and and we'll help you autom- automate it. Uh, we'll make it help you make it sustainable. Um, what are some of those, th- you know, use the word things, like what are some of those yeah, yeah. things specifically that you're talking about? Yeah. One of the biggest things is that we try to um, get our clients and and really anyone that I'm I'm consulting or that we're, we're working with um, away from the machine that is Instagram or social media. Like for so many creators, they are slaves to the algorithm, right? Uh, they could have tons of followers. They could have a lot of traction. But then tomorrow when Mark Zuckerberg wakes up and decides to change the rules on Instagram, they have no more reach. They don't have any traffic going to their site. And so what we try to do is create those systems, again, sustainable systems behind the scenes that help to um, move people away from things like Instagram or YouTube or whatever. Those are great tools. I'm not saying don't use them. I'm saying use them to drive traffic back to the things that are actually going to be sustainable. Things like blogging, right? Super important. When people are searching for things that you can answer for them, do you show up? You know, that's a big piece of what we work with, uh, work with our clients on. Uh, email marketing, like email marketing is not dead. It's not going anywhere. It's super successful uh, medium for course creators. And so um, we really try to focus in on, on those types of things. So when I'm saying the word things, um, that's what it is. It's kind of the old school marketing stuff that still works. That's tried and true. Things like blogging, uh, things like lead generation, things like uh, email marketing and things like a really killer uh, website. When you use social media in the right way, you're just funneling people back to those uh, mediums instead of being so dependent and reliant on on social media. Let's talk about blogging a little bit. Uh, it's interesting that you would mention you would mention that. So, you know, Spencer's been on the podcast. I talk about him quite a bit. His story is just amazing. Uh, I, I'll 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 mention in the uh, the intro or the outro or the show notes or something which episode he was in case anybody hasn't heard that. But it's been a very yeah. popular episode. Um, but I think, for example, like when he started working with you, he he probably didn't have a blog, and and yeah. I'm guessing you yeah. encouraged him to to have a blog. Is that more so for the discoverability of new people that that can find you via via search uh, via search, or is it? Is it when people do come to your site, just building even more trust with with giving more value? Yeah, the answer is yes to, to both okay. of those. Um, one of the reasons I love blogs is because they're an asset for your business, right? When you make a story on Instagram, it lives for 24 hours, right? And it doesn't matter how much time you spent on that story. It's, com- it's coming down in 24 hours unless you add it to a highlight or save it or something like that. A blog is a longer form piece of content that is an asset for your business. It's going to live for as long as you want it to on your website. It helps build trust and authority. So like for Spencer, you know, going to his blog and seeing things like how to teach your toddler to read, you know, as a blog, 
that builds authority and trust and shows that this person knows what they're talking about. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It builds authority. The second piece that it does is it actually gives you a lot more content for social media. So if you're writing a blog and it's like four ways to teach your toddler to read, well, now I have four individual pieces of content when I break that blog apart that I can put on social media. So I'm investing my time in the blog and then just breaking it apart and repurposing it for, um, for social media. And then obviously the third piece is SEO. Um, you know, search engine optimization, like Google prioritizes great content. So if you write good blogs, you're likely to get found and and get some traffic there. Now, the caveat with with Google and search, it, it's a long play for sure. I remember even a few months into our time with Spencer, he's like, dude, like I'm only getting 500 visitors to my blog, you know, in a month. And he's like, I'm spending so much time on it. Uh, but what I encouraged him was like, hey, look, a year from now, that number is going to be 10x that or or 20x that right we're, we're even seeing that that trend with him in particular and so um yeah builds authority helps create content for other uh other pieces and it also you know creates great uh potential for for traffic through google so do you and your agency like write the blog post what if somebody's not good at writing what do you recommend that's the that's the do your thing will help you scale it right like your thing is uh knowing and being an expert on that topic and so whether you're a great writer or not it doesn't really matter um there are tons of ways to create awesome blogs so spencer is really we're just going to keep sticking with him like easy example right <laughs> he, he's really good on video uh he absolutely crushes video and so that's what he does is he makes youtube videos and then from there he or his team will break that down into written form. So um, we have some clients who aren't great writers and, and maybe they're good at speaking and they're good at like a podcast format. And so what you can do there is just record yourself running through that content, run it through a transcription tool like Otter or Rev, download the transcription and then clean it up a little bit or send it to an editor to clean it up. If you're good on video, same thing, do the video presentation and then grab the transcript and turn it into a blog from there. What are your thoughts on some of this newfangled uh, AI stuff? I, I know, um, yeah. I know a, a guy that's got a blog, a very popular blog that really relies on Jasper. Jasper.ai is some software that helps him to write his blog posts. And then he's got somebody on his team that goes in and, and yep. massages a little bit. And then of course the, the latest thing is the whole chat GPT thing, right? What, yeah. what do you, what are your thoughts on, on writing blog posts with AI? Uh, I'm a fan of it when it's kind of kept where it needs to be kept. So the way that I use Jasper or like chat GPT is to come up with ideas or if I'm struggling to like word something, I might run it through there. Um, so I'm a fan of it. I like to look at it more as like a super junior writing assistant, right? Like where I can just say, Hey, give me 50 ideas for blog topics. And then I can go grab two or three that I like, or, Hey, outline this blog for me and hit these bullet points. Um, we have a client, uh, one with the pump. She teaches women how to, uh, pump feed like feed their children <laughs> using like pumping and um she is a teacher like she's a full-time full-time teacher and works at a school and so she doesn't have a lot of time and so for her what she did is she outlined you know 50 blog ideas that she had we go through a, a 52 question exercise thing that we can get into later if you want but come up with 52 topics for blogs from there she said outline the blog using this topic and she sent it through chat gpt came up with a four to 600 word outline. She copied it into a Google doc and now she has a great starting point. So I'm a fan of that. I think a lot of times Jasper and chat GPT uh, don't have all the accurate information. I think there are some topics it's a little better for than others, but um, I, I like it as a good starting point or something. If you're getting kind of stuck, I think it's a, a writing block or writer's block uh, buster for sure. 
Also a little creepy, right? A little creepy. A little creepy. A little creepy. You know, the, the thing that I did, we're, we're hiring a copywriter right now. And um, I, I've never done like uh, really great like interviews. And so I asked it to come up with interview questions based on certain values of our agency. And I asked it to be like really specific with it. And it came up with like 10 to 15 questions from each one, copied it and pasted it. And I was like, that's a little terrifying that, <laughs> you know, that I can, you know, use it that way. But yeah, it's cool. I think I think it's cool within, you know, within reason for sure. So if somebody's listening to this and they're, you know, they have, they have moderate success with their online course, what are uh, it, it sounds like, you know, if they don't have a blog, for example, that could be some low hanging fruit. They could start like later today and start getting on the blog train, um, in your opinion. Is there any, any other just like low hanging fruit that you've seen that somebody should look out for that might help them with their marketing and sales? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that you need when you're getting started, especially if you've already launched your course is traffic. Like you could have the best course in the world. You could have the coolest brand in the world. You could have the greatest outcomes in the world. But if like, you don't have anyone on your site, it it literally doesn't matter. Right. Um, and so the low hanging fruit that I recommend, uh, blogging is, uh, slightly low hanging fruit and that you can do it today, but you might not see the payoff for a few months. Um, I would say collaborating with other people is a really, really great way to, to build some traction. So if you don't have a huge audience, you don't have a lot of traffic, can you guest blog for somebody else? Can you go on somebody else's podcast? Can you do a social media? They don't really do takeovers too much anymore. That was popular like three or four years ago, but you know, can you collaborate together on, you know, some, some type of social media content? Um, to me, that's like the easiest low hanging fruit that really just requires you to say, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I'm going to, you know, connect with this person and and we can grow each other's audiences together. Why don't you do ads? I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of ads for most courses. Now we've had clients who have worked with ad agencies and, and that's cool. I'm a fan of them again, when, when it's important, but I think that most people use ads as a, uh, as a bandaid fix, like, Oh my, I'm not getting sales. And so then they just pump thousands of dollars into ads. Well, there's a reason you're not getting sales. So figure out that problem first, right? Like, is your checkout page not converting? Do people not find your content valuable? Ads can kind of mask like a lot of problems that um, that course creators can can have. And so I think it's a little bit of an easy way out. The second reason is like, you know, ad algorithms and ad platforms change all the time. You know, I'm sure you remember like two or three years ago, you could put money in Facebook and get like a three or four X return you know, no, no problem. Right. And then Facebook and Apple changed their privacy rules and, you know, ads became way harder to come by. And so for me, I'm not a huge fan of them, uh, as a way to just kind of throw money at the wall and see what sticks or to solve kind of underlying business problems. I think if you have a great course, that's already converting, if you have a good email list, if you have good blogs, if you have good social content, uh, ads are a good way to pour, uh, gasoline on the fire. But I think so many brands use them to try to be the whole fire themselves. So you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned a couple of brands already that you've worked with Spencer's. You mentioned another one. Um, what can, can you share? Like maybe a case study of somebody that came to you with a course. They, you know, you mentioned. I think typically they're they're making six figures when they start working with you. But the idea is they want to scale. They want to scale. So if you could mm -hmm. share any stories from clients, um, kind of what what the what they were struggling with before they came to you, and what you helped them do, and some results. Yeah, I'll actually share an example of a client who uh, doesn't perfectly fit our mold. Um, they came to us and had nothing. So they were launching the course and we helped them launch the course. They had no revenue. And so the biggest problem that they had was like, 
I have this audience here. You know, they had 30 or 40,000 followers at the time. I think I'm an expert on this topic, but I have nothing. I don't, I don't have anything to show for it. And so, you know, I know for a lot of your listeners, maybe they're sitting here saying, I know I'm an expert on this topic. I have an idea for this course and I don't really know how to, to go about it. Um, and that was how we, we worked with this brand. So it was the doctor mommy. Uh, she helps, uh, with parenting. So she helps people kind of connect with their roots and say, Hey, what were the things that influenced me as a child that I'm now carrying into, um, you know, into parenthood myself. And so what we did with her is, uh, again, went back to the basics. We said, Hey, let's talk to your audience and see what they're looking for in a course. You know, I think so many times course creators assume that they know what their audience wants and their audience might have something completely different. Uh, so we, we started there. We said, Hey, go to your, go to your audience. What are they looking for in, in a course here? Um, second, we wanted to get a way to gather email addresses. She had 30 or 40,000 Instagram followers, but an email list of like virtually nothing. Right. And so we put together a free download, um, that users could grab it, entered them into the email list. And so now at this point, we've got a great direction for the course. We have uh, a list of, I, I can't even remember exactly the amount. I think it was like over 10,000 email addresses that she had, um, gathered in a, in a couple month period. And now when we fast forward and it's time to launch, man, we got a great audience that's eager to buy what you're selling to them, right? Um, and so for her, she had a super successful launch. Uh, I can't get into specific revenue numbers, but she 2X'd her investment with us in about a 14-day period. Um, so you know, tens of thousands of dollars there. She had 10,000 email addresses gathered um, in a website that, that worked for her. And all she did was just ask her audience what they want, gather email addresses, and, and stick with the basics. So um, that's really what we love to do when we're working with clients. It seems like there's a there's a trend of of the type of client you work with with uh, like the type of type of information that they're sharing like they're it's a it's a lot of just like parenting and kids yeah. type stuff is that on purpose I I loving I want to say this very clear I lovingly call them mom brands uh, because they're typically either catered toward moms or they are run by moms and it's my favorite client. I absolutely love working with female entrepreneurs because they're just ballers. Like they just know what they're doing. They're really good at it. Spencer is a little bit of an anomaly, but obviously his his content targets you know a similar audience there. Um, so yeah, I mean, we started working with uh, with taking care of babies um, five or six years ago. We actually went to the same church, uh, connected at the time when she had like 10,000 followers. She was getting ready to launch a second course and the developer had basically built a website for like 10 grand and then left town. Um, and so she was just super overwhelmed, really frustrated. And so we uh, we partnered with her and and that was kind of the catalyst for all of these other clients that we've uh, we've been able to work with because she's just had incredible success today. She's over two million Instagram followers, you know, tons of of revenue growth during that time. She's got a pretty large team as well. And so I think other people in that mom and baby and parenting space have looked at her to say, oh, I want to be like that. I want to be the taking care of babies of speech therapy or of parenting or of uh, you know, you name it. And so, yeah, we found a really cool kind of niche, uh, working with, with those types of, um, clients. And it really started with, uh, taking care of babies like five or six years ago. Okay. Very cool. So, so if, um, somebody does want to work with you, like what, what does that, what does that process look like? Is it just extremely customized for every client or you kind of have the same process for everybody? Yeah, yeah, we have um pretty much the same process because again at this point we we know what works and then we customize within the process and so we break it down into 8 or 12 month projects um and within those we split it up into four phases. Okay, so think about them like quarters essentially. 
First phase is uh, is the foundations phase where we dig into things like their offer and their audience and their messaging and their positioning. Like, what does that look like to uh, reach the people that you want to reach? What are the things that we need to be saying to them? How do we want to structure our course? What do we want to price it at? Like, that's a huge question that most course creators have. Uh, and so we do that during our foundations phase. The second phase is where we build everything out. So we build out websites, lead generators, email series, uh, you know, content maps, all that fun stuff happens during our build phase. Third phase is where we optimize. So we say, okay, now you've launched, now you've got a great course. What does it look like to optimize your SEO? What does it look like to make sure that your checkout pages are are locked in? Do you have enough testimonials in your course? Do you have uh, you know, progress reports for your students? All that fun stuff happens during our optimized phase. Uh, then we move into scale. So we do things like focus groups and we actually ask their audience, what are you looking for? What do you need more of? What do you need less of? We make some hypotheses during that time. Like, hey, maybe you want to launch this course. Let's ask your audience and find out if they're looking to to buy that, you know, as an addition to your current um, offer stack. So we do that during our scale phase and we just look ahead and we say, okay, what's next? How are we going to continue to to grow the brand? Um, and so we follow a very repeatable process and a really repeatable uh, framework, and then obviously provide custom strategy inside of that. Do you just charge a kind of a flat fee or is there any sort of um, like um, profit sharing, anything like that? Yeah, that's a good question. We we have done some profit sharing and commissions in the past um, and have moved away from those. So I, I'm like slightly open to it, but it's got to be like, you know, a perfect fit. So uh, for us, we we operate on a really simple flat retainer model. Um, and so clients can invest between three and four or $5,000 a month um, on that. And it's, you know, all, obviously all, all inclusive and covers everything that I just mentioned. You mentioned uh, a little while ago, how important the pricing of your course is. And that's, that's another area that that people really struggle with because you always feel like you're leaving money on the table, whether you're priced too high or too low. What are your typical guidelines and recommendations for somebody when they're trying to price their course? Yeah. I mean, so many, so many creators make that mistake where they price too high because you sit here and say, Oh, I've spent so much time on this and it's so valuable. And I, I think my audience is going to love this. And so then they price it way way too high. And so I think starting kind of at a reasonable spot and being able to separate the value that you uh, think you're creating with what your audience will actually buy is really important. And I think the second piece is that most uh, course creators, because again, you're experts at your topic, not at marketing necessarily, um, is that you don't totally understand pricing psychology. And so I, I've seen a lot of course creators say, I'm going to price this course at 149 instead of 99. Well, if you price it at 99, more people are likely to buy, right? Because natural pricing psychology says that the more you increase the course price and the more that you kind of hit these different checkpoints, the the less likely someone is is to buy. So I think those are two um, two big mistakes. Um, I have a, a course pricing guide. I have it pulled up in front of me. So I can run through a couple of things on, on here too. But uh, ultimately things like business to business or business to consumer, that's a big factor. So if you, uh, are selling to a business, you can likely charge a little bit more because the outcomes are more based in revenue. So if I'm selling a course on how to increase your sales of your tech, you know, startup, well, yeah, maybe I could charge a thousand bucks for that. Whereas if I'm teaching how to get your baby to sleep eh, maybe 99, you know, maybe 199, depending on, on the problem there. So that's a big one. The format of the course is a big one too. So if it's video-based, if it's professional, uh, if you have a lot of resources in there, like that can increase the, the price of the course. If you're doing like, um, you know, just downloads in your course and maybe one video, sometimes it's a little bit harder because of the perceived value when someone jumps in that course, they're like, oh, this is all I'm getting. Um, so that's really important. 
Um, like I said, bonus materials can impact that. If you have more bonus materials that can help you increase the price of the course, the length of the course, I want to be careful here because, um, longer isn't always better when you're, when you're creating a course, like we have some clients who have like seven or eight hour long courses. Uh, sometimes that's a little bit too much and you start to lose people cause they're not going to, they're not going to take it. Right. Um, and so you got to find that sweet spot for your audience. Like, is it an hour? If it's an hour and it's action packed and they're going to take it and get a really great outcome. That's awesome. If it's six hours and they got to kind of follow everything and they're going to get a great outcome there, that's cool too. So not really a right or wrong answer there, but length um, can impact the the price. And then lastly, um, competitor pricing is important. So if you have a hundred competitors in your space and they're all charging two hundred bucks for their course, well, you're probably like going to have a hard time, you know, charging two grand for that same course, right? Um, so I, I think a lot of times course course creators don't totally understand all the dynamics that go in there, and they kind of just throw a dart at the wall and see, you know, which which number it, it lands on. So uh, hopefully those are helpful uh, tips as you're navigating pricing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a, a lot of people a lot of people's go-to with that answer is, you know, to charge higher. And your immediate response yeah. was to actually charge lower. And and both models can work. Yeah, um, for sure. Because it's at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. Like we can maybe sell a thousand copies at a hundred dollars yep. or, you know, a hundred copies at a thousand dollars. Um, but there's, there's a lot that comes with it, different expectations, sure. different perceived value and so on. So it's interesting yeah. to hear that perspective. I, so I tell it, clients to, I tell clients to like, somebody has to be the most expensive on the market. So I don't advocate for not being expensive. I just think you have to be smart about it, right? Like if you're 10x the next person, like it might be a little bit challenging, but yeah, that's why I love courses, right? Like there, you can kind of approach it in a hundred different ways and and find success uh, no matter what you do. So I think that's great. Yeah. The example you gave was like, if everybody in, in your industry is around $200, you didn't say, don't go to 250. You said, don't go to two grand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, makes yeah, a exactly. lot of sense. Yep. So what I would what I would ask you next, let me see if I can word this correctly and convey it correctly, but like it has to do with the value ladder. So I know uh, I know you've worked uh, you've worked with a lot of big brands. I know um one I'm familiar with, um I've actually, you know, taken part of this course, Big Little Feelings, very very popular, huge mm -hmm. audience. I think their course was like 100 bucks. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think we might have we either launched it at 79 or 99. Yeah, so yeah, in my cheap, opinion, super sure. cheap. I mean, the yeah. the average price of my piano course is eight hundred dollars, yeah. um, and it's a very effective course for for helping with like kid behavior um, and parenting. But like when you're working with somebody like that, is is the name of the game simply to just get get it in front of as many new people as possible to try to just continue to make sales over and over again, or with you know with an audience as big as somebody like that has. How do you tap into that and continue to make more sales to the same audience? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So I mean, the the first part of that is like if you have a big audience, you're you're probably gonna want to go for volume, right? Because it's easier and you can make uh you can make more sales and and lower the price of your course a little bit because you have that audience to be able to to buy it, right? The the higher price of the course, the the more emails you got to send, the more longer your sales page might have to be, the more bonus materials, all that fun stuff kind of comes in into play. Um and so I think that's how we had originally approached it. That's typically how we approach it uh with most of our clients. Now, the second part of that uh there, there's a few ways to kind of go about monetizing a, a big audience like that. You'd mentioned the value ladder or, you know, the offer ladder, offer stack. Some of those things kind of get used interchangeably or whatever. But um, we follow a pretty simple framework with that. One at the very bottom of that is free. 
right? How much free content can you give to your audience? If you notice accounts like Big Little Feelings, Speech Sisters, Mommy Labor Nurse, Taking Care of Babies, Toddlers Can Read, these, these accounts that we've worked with, they give away pretty much every single thing. Like with Taking Care of Babies, you could sit there for hours, read all her blogs, go through all her social posts, and pretty much get all the content of her of her courses. But people buy her courses or buy their courses because it's laid out in a really clear plan, right? Piano in 21 days. I'm going to learn that in 21 days, even though I could probably watch a trillion YouTube videos. You know, I'm following that because I get that that process. So don't be afraid to, to give away free. That's the, the easiest thing. The next step up from that is going back to emails. So what's a free download that you can do? Can you do a free uh, a, a checklist? Can you do a mini course? Can you do a webinar or a workshop? Some free PDF that you can download. Um, that's kind of the next, the next step up, which you can then start to build that relationship with people. After that, I like to look at uh, low or for us, it's mid ticket, like 99 bucks is actually mid ticket for us, which is like still low compared to most, most people. Um, what does that look like for 49 bucks? What could you sell for 79 bucks? What could you sell for 99 bucks? What could you sell? Um, some type of entry level course, maybe it's parenting 101, maybe it's uh breastfeeding 101, maybe it's uh intro to reading, maybe it's whatever, right? For Spencer, I think his is learning sounds. Um, and so what's that first thing that you can you can do? From there, you can start to monetize your audience even more. The people who have taken that course and have found success are more likely to go through the next product with you. What's the next thing in their journey? Um, you know, if it's piano in 21 days, like what's the next thing up from that? You know, is it like become a concert pianist in in 30 days or, you know, in 60 days? I don't know. Right. But like, what's that next thing up? What's that thing that somebody's more likely to give you more money for because they've already experienced success um, at, a, at a ground level? So um, I think you can definitely uh, monetize a big audience multiple times. I think we see with most of our clients that have a few different products um, that they get a lot of repeat, a lot of repeat business, um, which is is cool. And you do that through, you know, stacking that, uh, you know, that path on top of each other. That makes sense. I think the limitation comes when, you know, there really isn't anything next. You know, for example, everything that I have to show somebody about the piano is it's basically in my piano in 21 days course because yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah. not a concert pianist. I'm not, yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. is, that is the extent of my knowledge. And I promise a certain outcome and I help them achieve that outcome with the course you take. And, you know, Spencer's example as well. Like once the toddler learns to read, like what else do we really have to sell that same person? And I think that's okay, but you've got to yeah. have a continuous flow of, of new people to sell to. Well, I think that uh, you can look at it that way for sure. But I also I'm sitting here saying, OK, well, let's take a really hard example. Right. You just said you teach everything in your course. Twenty one days. You got it. Well, what's the next thing up? Could you for five grand do group coaching through that? Right. Where they can submit things and you give direct feedback to them where you you know make recommendations, where you add additional things. I don't know. I haven't, obviously haven't taken your, your course, so maybe that's already already a part of it. For Spencer, things like um, how do we venture into an older age group, right? So he's in toddlers can read and it stops at like five or six. Could we go past kindergarten age and do, you know, kids can read and it's it's elementary school. Taking care of babies, great example of that. She started off and her course was only geared toward newborns. That was it. And so she gave everything in her course. And so you could sit here and say, well, she gave everything in her course like she's done. Well, then she moved into three to four months. That was a gap that she saw that people were like, okay, I'm done with this. What's next? Then she moved into five to 24 months. And more recently, she added an entire toddler 
uh, sleep course. So she basically doubled the age range that she could reach. So I'm sure there are examples where it wouldn't work. Uh, definitely. But I think for, for me, I like to try to figure out like, what does that look like? Is it a, is it a group cohort is it an additional course? Maybe it's a membership, you know, for you, maybe that's a, that's your next cell is, is adding them into a, a membership instead of having them rely on the course. So I'm just kind of shooting the breeze a little bit, of course, and, and, uh, being a little facetious, but, um, yeah, I, I think it can work for, for most, for most brands. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, let's let's talk about tools like software tools. Uh, what what are you seeing, or what are you recommending for course creators in terms of you know where where they host their course or um, or any other tools that that you recommend or use? Yeah, we're uh, big fans of Kajabi for courses. So um, if you have a standalone course or a couple of courses, I think Kajabi is like the Cadillac of of course software. It's super easy to use, super easy to set up. Uh, more recently, like in the last year, we're using circle.so um, more. Yeah, circle.so. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a little bit more of a membership-based platform, but they've added courses. I think they're kind of giving Kajabi a run for their money. I thought Kajabi would come and, you know, with a heavy hand and just knock them out of the market, but uh, they've been they've been really innovative. So we're not doing a ton of uh, courses alone on, on circle.so. Typically, if they have courses and a membership, that's a great platform for that. Um, I'm still a fan. Like if you're just starting, I think teachable is a solid solution. If you have one, one course, uh, I'm open to being wrong about that, but we've had a couple of clients on teachable and it's been fine. But overall, uh, we typically stick with, with Kajabi and circle. Listeners will know that I'm not a huge fan of uh, teachable. Uh, I am am a fan of, um, Kajabi. I'm also a fan of circle as well, but I don't know if you've seen it, but Kajabi just released their new community feature, which, which should be able to compete with, um, with circle. In fact, one of the one of the elements inside of their new new community is literally called circles. Like you can create circles within yeah. their community. Have you gotten access to that yet or no? Yeah, I think at this point, you know, we're talking in early January. Most people, I think, have gotten access to it. I think yeah. I, I got access to it. Um, I've had access a few weeks. Um, it's very different than the community b- before. It's, it's a yeah. complete and total uh, from the ground up change in terms of communities. I, so I want to say to preface, I love Kajabi and I think it was a smart move for them to do that, but I I have had just not a good experience with Kajabi communities and I struggle with them being able to take on circle with as fast as circle is like innovating and adding new features. So I'm hoping like fingers crossed, I would love Kajabi to pull ahead and, and take them on. But like, there's definitely some you know, it's not great as of right now, again, er, early 2023, January, 2023, where we're recording this, but I, 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 uh, I'm not convinced yet. So fingers crossed on that one. That's fair. I haven't moved yeah. my community over to the new version yet. Um, the old, the old version of the community in Kajabi was extremely, extremely simple and limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but in ways that can be a good thing as well. So for yeah. my, for my coaching program for, for the online course guy, um, side of my business. That's that's what we use. And we haven't moved over to the new community yet because um, it's such a big change. And it's it's mostly working for us um, now. Now I had to do some customized things to make it a little more seamless and integrated. Um, but their new community stuff, what they did was they actually purchased another company. They didn't yeah, build yeah. it themselves. So they right. purchased um, something called Viably, which is a circle competitor. Yeah, and yeah. so I think that was a, a, a smart move to go and find somebody who's already doing it well. For sure. Um, and just yeah. acquiring them. 
I wish they would have bought Circle though. I just like <laughs> I don't know. I, I when I saw that I was like it makes sense, you know. Maybe Circle didn't want to sell or whatever, but yeah, sure it's cool. They, <laughs> I'm sure they purchased Vibly for a lot less than they could have purchased Circle. I think Circle's yeah, it, you know moving and shaking, doing their own things, adding courses to that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I think now is like the best time that I've seen. I don't know. Can't, don't want to speak for you, but like, I think this is one of the best times for course creators. There's so many incredible platforms out there. Uh, we, we have a couple clients on Mighty Networks too, which uh, pros and cons again, just like anything. But I feel like people are starting to come in and, and some of these softwares are starting to come in and say, hey, we're going to take on Kajabi. We're going to take on Thinkific. We're going to take on Teachable and uh, add the features that creators are really looking for. So I'm excited about it. I think this is going to be a fun you know, evolution and a next kind of wave of uh, software for creators. Yes. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm very biased. I host the online course show. Yeah, yeah, right. It's never been easier to create this stuff, but it's never been more crowded either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fully so you're going to look at it. Are you going to look at it as glass half full or glass half empty? Um, and obviously, I choose to look at it as glass half full and, and focus mm-hmm. on the fact that it's never been easier. I started back in 2013, and now that it's 2023, I can say that I started 10 years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. And um, just like just picking where to host my course was insanely difficult, like insanely difficult. And that's just so easy today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No custom stuff, right? Like you can pretty much have it up in about an hour or two. Like you don't have to go to WordPress and download, you know, member press or something crazy like that. Like you can you can do it out of the box, which is I think is incredible. Let's um let's talk about books. You like to read? You have any uh, book recommendations for this type of audience? Oh man, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge reader. Okay, so I'll say that up front. I read maybe two books a year. That's probably terrible, right? Like it means I'm a terrible entrepreneur. Um, I think a game changer, a couple game changers, um, $100 million offers by Alex Hormozzi uh, was like transformative for us. It'll really help shape the way that you structure your offer for your course, uh, basically making it so easy for people to to buy it. However you feel about Alex, you know, he's a little bit of a controversial figure at times, but um, book is awesome. We went through that as an agency and it's been really transformative. Um, and if you're struggling with mes- messaging, I go back to like the basics, uh, building a story brand is an awesome book to just get really clear on how you're going to, um, you know, describe what you do. I was a story brand certified guide for, for four years. And so we kind of have that as the framework of, of our agency in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, I think those are our two books that I've read in the last couple of years that, um, I think would, would apply to any course creator. Nice. Well, you know, you mentioned your blog earlier and I saw on your blog, you had an article nine best marketing uh business books for digital brands yeah uh, yeah so i see I'm, i've got that pulled up now i see 100 million dollar offers building a story brand and most of these i've certainly read uh and and um and enjoy uh giftology is a good one you use that with your giftology is good no we don't um we don't use it with our clients i put it on the blog because i think it's a great book that could be used really really well for digital brands like so basic premise of giftology is like stop giving crappy gifts right um and so i think especially if you have higher ticket stuff it's uh it's a great great book like we've used that with clients to like give them gifts right um so yeah i I really like the framework of giftology we haven't done it with clients but if a client wanted to take me up on it i'd be glad to go through it with them yeah. And and I would take it a step further in terms of, you know, don't give crappy gifts, but it's it's about, you know, how to use really amazing personalized gifts as yeah, part yeah. of your entire marketing strategy. Yeah, for sure. All right. There was one other so so let me set you up like really broadly. Uh because okay. we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here sh- shortly. But um I noticed you had, I guess like a, a 
like a free like opt-in you know uh, lead magnet download on your site called 10 mistakes course creators make and yep. what to do instead so i'm sure we've addressed some of those things so far in the conversation so if there's anything else like in that list you think that would be valuable or any other like really valuable insights that you feel like we haven't hit yet for uh for this audience um i want you to to take take that and run with it at this point yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, we have that download um, on our site. 10, 10 mistakes course creators make. We we really have hit on a lot of them. Um, I'm gonna kind of just go back to to the basics. I think one of the biggest mistakes that brands make is that they don't gather email addresses, and as a result, they don't launch very well. And so most of our clients actually launch in an evergreen format where you can kind of buy their course at any time, as opposed to like you know obviously open and closed or whatever. Um, and so it's really important to have a good, a good pre-launch strategy. And so I think that not gathering email addresses is crushing your business. And I talk to brands all the time who have hundred plus thousand followers and 500 email addresses. They're one, they're literally one algorithm update away from going out of business. Um, and so whether you're small with hundred followers or you've got a hundred thousand or, or a million, um, gathering email addresses, uh, is, is a huge win for your brand. I think the, the other thing that I see is not having some intention behind the creation of your course. And so I'm not necessarily an advocate for you got to go drop like 40, 50 K to have a highly produced course and you know, all this kind of stuff. Sure. Clients can do that. But I think that you have to remember that your course is your product, right? It's what you're selling. And so in the same way that Apple treats their products with a lot of care and a lot of intention and a lot of focus and a lot of innovation, you got to treat your course in the same way. So even if you're not going to go out and spend tens of thousands of dollars filming your course, um, what, what can you do to make it, uh, a level up? Like, what can you do to make it look a little more professional? How can you increase the value of your course? How can you make sure that the audio is really good? How can you make sure that the video is solid? How can you make sure that your slides and graphics look good? Um, and so I think a lot of course creators just try to like throw something up and, you know, as a result, it, it kind of looks cheap and the perceived value isn't, uh, isn't necessarily there. So you mentioned, um, you like to have people set up their their sales uh kind of evergreen not not uh be on the launch roller coaster um I, I know for example spencer has an evergreen webinar funnel set up um that you can enter into and then you can uh, purchase his courses at a discounted rate but he yep. still has them available on the website uh not hidden to where they can they can purchase it kind of at the full price as well. So when somebody comes to you and they, you know, they have a course, maybe they've made a few sales, but they don't really have any sort of like evergreen funnel in place. Uh, is that the type of funnel that you'd recommend, like an evergreen webinar funnel, or is there another type of funnel that you typically help people implement? Yeah, I think that goes back to the strengths of the creator. So, like, you know, for instance, like Spencer, we said he's great on video. And so webinar was like easy home run. He was already doing that before we started working with him. So it's pretty easy just to kind of plug and play that into our system. For others, maybe you're a great writer. And so a free, you know, lead gen or a free download is a is an easier way to enter people into that funnel. Maybe you want to give away like a mini course. So we actually worked with a, uh, a physical uh, brand, Chelsea Wang Baby. So they sell baby products like uh, diaper creams and things like that. Um, and we helped with a, a mini course for that. So it was like five tips for, you know, taking care of your baby's skin. So what's something like that? Maybe it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes that you can do as a, as a giveaway on the front end of that funnel. We have other clients we're working with love after baby right now. And she has a quiz called what's wrong with your relationship <laughs> essentially. And so you can go through and take the quiz. So for things like that, maybe a quiz is a better, uh, a better method. So I think it doesn't necessarily matter. We've seen success with all different kinds of things, but I think you have to 
to have something on the front end that's going to prompt people to give you their email address and allow you to continue to market to them uh, over time. Kyler, this has been a lot of value, a lot of great insights. Appreciate you joining me. Uh, if anybody wants to, to get in touch and find out how to possibly work with you, where would they go? Yeah, you can go to kylercreative.com. Uh, uh, and there's a button in the corner that says schedule a call. We, I will say like full disclosure, we're such a small team and we sort of limit the number of clients that we can work with. And so, uh, if you're a new brand and, and some of this information is helpful and you're just getting started, uh, I actually have a weekly newsletter called the creator club that you can jump on. It's totally free. I'm not selling you anything. Um, and that's at kylercreative.com forward slash newsletter. Um, but yeah, we'd love to love to hear from you and love to hear what you're, what you're working on. Cool. Thanks for the time, Kyler. Thank you so much. All right, a massive thank you to Kyler for joining me today. Check out his work at kylercreative.com. And thank you for tuning in and being a part of this journey. For links and show notes from today's episode, visit oc.show slash 204. That's a wrap for this episode. I'll see you next time.